I love how the Lord sometimes comes and confirms. There was, <clears throat> as I was prepping this word, there was, I was been prepping this probably for the last month. Uh, well, definitely three weeks, feels longer. And um, as I was preparing this word, each week we come to a Sunday, and then I'm feeling, you know, maybe it's not time yet. Maybe it's not time yet, and I, and and there's every time there's a little bit more that I want to add to it, and and I, it's just amazing how the Lord, just through um, the worship this morning, kind of is kind of confirming in my heart, this is the right morning for this specific word. And I really believe, I really have faith for what God wants to do uh, in us this morning. Um, this is one of those words that also is going to lean into a bit of a response. Not as much a response in terms of salvation. So I'm going to say, a call up But there is going to be a response of the heart I feel this morning. Um, in, 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 in the sense of submitting um, to the Jesus that we just spoke about. And it is so amazing how the Lord used worship this morning to kind of just lay a platform to understand who is it that we are, 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 are submitting to. You know, are we submitting to a religion or are we submitting to a person? And that's, that's probably the most important thing this morning when we're going to start off this conversation. Because we're going to talk this morning that God is the God that takes us out of, but God is also the God that brings us into. And immediately, it sounds like one of those uh, crusade preachers, you know, where the guys rally the troops and they say, hey, God is going to take us out of the land of Egypt and He's got the promised land for you and He's got plans for you and He's got things for you and He's going to bring you into all of that. And then the hey, everybody goes all go wild and, and you know the amazing thing is it's true it's true and it's important this morning that we kick off with the foundation of saying it is true god is the god that brings us out of and, in, and into and when we go and look at some of the scriptures john 3 16 john 3 verse 16 what says there for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So we serve a God, we serve a Jesus that has the ability and the will and had the plan already to bring us out of a place of death and into a place of life. Is that not amazing? That we serve a Jesus that can do that. He brings us out of a place of being lost and brings us into a place of being saved. I think that's absolutely amazing. That's who He is. The second thing is, Luke 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed. So we see there is something of the Lord if you are bound, if you are faithful, seeing yourself as a place of being here. If you are in a place of being bound, Jesus is the one that can bring you out of being bound and bring you into a place of freedom. If you are blind, He can bring you into a place of seeing. There's even the physical part of that. And I've, I've, I've had several times in my life where I actually saw how Jesus can bring you out of sickness, physical sickness. 
and brings you into a, <clears throat> a place of healing. Is there anybody that has some water somewhere for me? I got my water bottle over here. <clears throat> so he can bring you out of a place of physical sickness and bring you into a place of healing. He can bring you out of a place of where you've got need and he can bring you into a place of provision. That's the Jesus that we serve. He can bring you out of a place where you've got nothing into a place where you have more than enough. That's the Jesus that we serve. We can come to a place where we, and I'm thinking of myself, for many years I was without any friends. Boo-hoo. <laughs> I was waiting for a bit of an all. I didn't have any friends. And suddenly we became part of a church family. And suddenly I was, I had friends. I mean, I'm talking about true friends. I'm not talking about people that you know. I'm talking about true friends. Guys that will literally take a bullet for you. There's some people that I know in this church family these days. I know they will take a bullet for me. Because they've proven it. I know they will sacrifice themselves for me. And they've proven it. So God is the God that can take us out of a place of without and put us into a place of with. Is that not amazing? That's the God that we serve. He's also the God that can take us, takes us, take us out of one season and put us into a new season. And the scripture is filled with that where he promises us exactly that. I am the one that determines the seasons of your life. I am the one that takes you out of summer and puts you into winter. I'm the one that takes you out of a specific challenge and brings you into a breakthrough time in your life. I'm the one that determines the season in your life. He's also the one that takes you from a place of sin and brings freedom in that area. And I think there's many of us that can testify that there was times that we were stuck in a sin. That we were stuck in something of ourselves, of our flesh. And then we came to Jesus and we said, Jesus, I've been struggling to get rid of this thing. I've been struggling to get this right for so long and I'm just unable to do it on myself. And then Jesus comes and he brings freedom to us in that. And suddenly where we, where we were bound and we were in a place of sin... He brings us out of that and into freedom. That's the Jesus that we serve. <clears throat> John 16, verse 7 and 8. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. It says, it is better for you. Oh, that it says, it's advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. And that's the amazing part of that, you know, we don't need Jesus physically to come and take us in and out. We've got the Holy Spirit, that the day that we give our lives to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me. And now, within me, with the Holy Spirit present in my life, I've got, the, I've got all that I need to hear the Lord for my own life and to follow Him out of and into. So we don't need... Like the Israelites in Egypt, the Volkolom that, that was in front of them, and the, and the uh, what was it, uh, 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 what was it at night? Fear column, fear column on the Antia. 
So we don't need that anymore. We've got the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because Jesus said, it's better that I go away because now the Holy Spirit is in me and He will be able to lead me out of and into. So this is such an important foundation this morning for us to look at that we do serve a God that is able and willing to do all of that. And one of the beautiful examples, and I've actually mentioned this now quite a few times, is the example of Israel that was in Egypt, in slavery. And Jesus came, oh, Jesus came. The Lord came, it was Jesus, Jesus was God. Jesus came and God came and He spoke to Moses through a burning bush and He said, listen, I want to take Israel out of Egypt and I want to take them into the promised land. And that's probably one of the biggest uh, stories in the Bible of exactly that. And, and the thing that is so interesting to me, and as I was preparing this, I got so, um, I got so bewus geword. Thanks, conscious. Of how we sometimes think. How we sometimes view certain stories. Especially in the Bible as well. Because when we look at a love story. A movie. Now this is just maybe me. I don't know. You guys can, you can decide for yourself. Soppy. Yes. Now we're looking at a, at a, at a, like a soppy love story. I usually. My, my most attention. The biggest attention span is usually at the beginning of the movie. And at the end of the movie. That in-between part that happened where they, they stumble and the guy makes nonsense and then she's caught for him and then they make up. I'm, a, I'm, at the, at, I'm either at the beginning or I'm at the end. Those are the two places normally where I give my, my best attention. The middle part is where I just make sure that the popcorn is finished. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally we, we're very much beginning and end people. That's, that's the way that, I, I don't know about the ladies, you can speak for yourselves. I, 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 and that's why we need you guys. Yeah? That's why we need the ladies in our lives, guys. Yes, exactly. It's exactly that. So, I'm usually, a, a, and the thing is, what happens is, is sometimes we get conditioned in our thinking that we're very much destination orientated. When we start watching a movie, again, love story, we know by now, romantic comedies, we know by now how this thing is going to end. So by the time when the, when the main characters in the movie meet up in the beginning, we know where this thing is going. They're going to fall in love and he's going to be all romantic and then at the end of the day he's going to probably have to run off to some kind of a, 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 a lechava or somewhere where he has to you know, chase her down and say, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And then they're going to meet and they're going to laugh happily ever after. We know it because our minds get conditioned that we, we're at the destination. And we become destination people to a, to a big degree. And it's the same with some of the Bible stories. We know of the story very well. We grew up with the story of the Israelites. And we already look at their story. And when we look at what happened to them and when we look at everything, most of the time, I think about Canaan. I think about the, the land of milk and honey. Yeah. I think of the minute that you think about Israel and Egypt taking out of and going into, I think of, oh, God is so good. He had Canaan in mind, the promised land. The destination. We become sometimes destination people. And now suddenly, 
We do the same thing even in the New Testament. We look at the disciples of Jesus. And we read the stories of the disciples. But I have to say, in my own mind, the minute that Jesus starts talking, I read the story of how He met the disciples the first time. And how He told them to, listen, leave everything and follow Me. It's a strange thing that the minute that I read that specific portion of Scripture, my mind doesn't think of them in that instance as a fisherman. My mind is already that they're actually a disciple, they're actually an apostle. Does it make sense to you guys? So even though that he's talking in that specific time frame, he's talking to them as, the, uh, as fishermen, as people without him, my mind already thinks of them as disciples. Because I'm already at their destinations. I'm thinking of Peter as being the rock of the church. I'm thinking of Paul, even in the time that he was still persecuting the church, I think of him as Paul, the one that wrote all those letters, because sometimes my mind is in, at the destination. And that's very often how we interact with each other. Taking it even a step, step further now. When we planted Josh in two years ago, there was, say for instance, ten of us in the same room. And let's say for instance, all of us didn't know each other. We all got together in that same room at the same time. Now I met, for instance, then my mom. She's 40 years down the line, serving Jesus for 40 years, a long time. Many things that happened. She's very much, I don't want to say destination for you. <laughs> but she's, she's, but, but she's further, she's further, she's further down the line than I am. And then suddenly, uh, on the second week of coming together, there's a person that walk in the room and they get saved for the very first time. And now they're actually at the beginning of their, of their journey with Jesus. And now suddenly we've got a person at the end of their destination and at the beginning of their destination, of the, of the journey. And they're in the same room and now suddenly we interact with each other and we look at each other and we do life together and we do church together. And then there's a, a part of us that, that look at that and, and actually see, but she's, uh, you know, why is she uh, prophesying? And I'm not prophesying. Why is she getting to lead worship and I'm not getting to lead worship, you know? And we forget. We forget that what's the beginning? Not the, Paul didn't, wasn't on his way to Damascus and started writing letters to the churches. That is, at the, at the end of his journey when that happened. But because we sometimes such destination people, that we tend to, and our thought patterns and our way of thinking gets fixed on that. And that's probably one of the things that is hindering us a lot. And that, now I'm going to shift focus a little bit from start and finish. That, 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 I'm going to shift focus a little bit. And I'm going to talk about what happened to Israel. What happened to the fishermen. With this, from the start as fishermen. Until the place where they were apostles. And Israel went into the promised land which is the destination. And in between that was process. There was process. It was a journey with God that happened in between that. And what happens is, is that a lot of times we get so stuck due to our, just our conditioning of who we are as people. 
that we get fixated at either the beginning or either the end. There's very little focus on the process in between. And when I look at the Lord, although we looked at all those scriptures, although He's the God that's able and willing to bring us out of and into, I look at a God that, is a, that His focus is different than my focus oftentimes. He's not so interested in the beginning and in the end. He's a lot more focused on the process. And that's sometimes a mistake that we tend to make. The other thing is that we tend to, to make is, is we look at process and we almost, it's almost like the view of a factory. What goes in is what comes out. You know, this is a horse fabric. You know, everybody, everything is, is the same. And we kind of want to make a system out of that. And we want to make God's processing of us a system. Because now, for instance, the way that the Lord worked with my mother is not the way that the Lord is going to work with me. Because she's a different person than I am. Because the problem that we make is we want to make God's process. We want to make it a process. Isn't it true? We want to make it a process instead of God's process. Because God's process looks different than a process. A process is a religion. It's where we come together and we preach certain things and we say certain things and we say, this is how you should look like. Because I want to put you guys through a process and at the end of that process, I want you to look like this. That's a process. That's religion. God's process. So I want to take you guys to Jesus. I want to say, hey, meet Jesus. Meet the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something in you, change something in you through a process, through His process. And your process is going to look different than my process. It's good. Your length of your process, your destination may take longer than mine. Who knows? And this morning I want you guys to start looking at this process of God through a little bit of a different... And then there's going to be... I want us to react to this, what we're hearing. I want us to respond to that with hearts that submitting to a Jesus and to a God and to a Holy Spirit that might be doing things a little bit different than I want to do. Is that good? We're going to look at three, three things. Just three aspects and there's probably a lot more. But these are three things that the Lord just highlighted in preparing. The first thing is, is God's sovereignty. And I don't even know if sovereignty is the right word for this. I'm going to look at my English learned fellows here in the middle. who kind of said, oh, wrong word. And you can help me out with a better word. But it's about God's ways. God's ways. His ways. He's sovereign. He's the one that decides. He's the one that knows better. God is sovereign to do as He pleases to do. Because it's my life, but it's His life to lead through me. Because the day that I gave my life to Jesus, I gave up every kind of, uh, what's the word, ownership of my own life, didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't we? Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> the, 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 the Lord says this, He says, if, if you want to follow me, Take up your cross and follow me. What does the cross mean? It, it talks about sacrificing who I am, sacrificing myself because I'm following him. It's about abandoning myself for him. So now my question is, whose ways are more important than now from here, from that day? Whose ways are more important in your life? God's ways. God's ways. Because 
It's a living God. Because it's a living God. It's a God that knows me. That knows where He is on His way to. He knows where He's taking me out of. He knows what He wants to take me into. And He knows exactly what should happen and how it should happen in order for those things to take place. And you know, so often God's ways are not the way that I would have done it myself. Can we, can we say that to each other quickly? All the eyes go away from me. I can immediately see. I can immediately see when I don't have your attention. What did I say? Okay, listen. God's ways are not always the ways that I would have chosen for myself. Is it true? If you got to rule over your own life, would you do some things a bit differently? Be honest now. Yes. Debbie would have healed herself a long time ago of blood pressure. She would have healed her eyes a long time ago. Surely. I'm thinking of, 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 of Chris. He's not here this morning, but I know you won't mind me saying this. He would have provided a job for himself three weeks ago. He would have done things a lot differently. Let's look at something of the Lord. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Look at this. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. God chose. Listen up. Listen up. God chose the way that He led Israel out of Egypt. It was His ways. He chose to take them 40 years through the desert instead of what they say is actually supposed to be a seven day trip. God's ways. It's God's ways. It's not my ways. It's God's ways. Did you ever ask yourself this question? How did Israel end up in Egypt in the first place? Who, who can tell me that? Who can tell me that? Not the ones that know. I, want, I first want a bunch of wrong questions so I can sound very clever. Huh? No, no. How did they end up in, 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 in Egypt for the, in the first place? Exactly. So now, the God that saved Israel out of Egypt is the same God that sent them there in the first place. My goodness. But why? And that's the thing that we do often. Now we say, ask the question, but why? And then God says, I'm not going to tell you why. It's me. I'm God. I'm the one that knows what's best. And you know what this weird thing is? We're going to get to that just now. I'm postponing it myself. That's what I Can I say this? God knows. Listen carefully. God knows what is the arena that you need to be in. The stadium that you need to be in. The gym that you need to be in. For him to practice what you need to practice. Yes. And so often we want to take ourselves out of that place where he's actually using to teach us and to train something in us. Yes. 
And I want to say, please start accepting, please submit to the places that God sometimes has put you into. Stop looking for the destination when he, actually He's the one that placed you in that place in the first place. And we need to submit to that. We need to submit to that. It's difficult, but we need to submit because oftentimes we find ourselves in the desert and we say, God, please take me out of the desert. I don't want to be here anymore. And we feel it's the enemy that placed it in us. And then it says, has led you into the desert. God led them there. And the funny thing is, is God led them to Egypt in the first place. Okay, I'm not going to hammer any longer on that. Second thing, time. God's timing. I'm going to just throw out some, some, some time aspects here. I'm hoping it's going to just, you know, boggle your mind. And my hope is that it's one. Israel was in Egypt for 400 years from the first time that God sent Jacob to Joseph. By the time that he led them out. 400 years. That's, that's generations. That's generations of people that was in a place where that in, in our terms had very little significance. We don't read anything of any significant people that there was no apostles and, 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 and disciples that came with no important people that the Bible writes about. There was four, a gap of 400 years where the Bible says only that there were slaves in Egypt, basically. 400, in our terms, insignificant years. 400, for goodness sakes. And then sometimes we come to a place in our lives and I say, Lord, I've been in this situation for a year now. I've been in this situation and I see very little fruit of my past year. What's going on, Lord? I want to be in a better position than I am now. I want to do something better with my life than I'm doing now. And we start to question the timing of the Lord in our lives. Israel was in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. It's a generation. It's a generation. And the, and the thing is, remember this, Annette. God tells you this morning... I'm going to take, do something in your life. I'm giving you a promise. And then suddenly at the end of your life, you realize that the promise was never for you. It was for Rafaru. It was for your kids. You were going to miss out. Isn't that what happened? Yes. He told Israel, I'm going to lead you out of this slavery, place of slavery. I'm going to put you into the promised land. But he never told them at that time that you guys are the ones that are going to miss out. It's actually for your generation to come after you. And then when we look at that promise of the Lord, we get upset with Him if that thing doesn't come into fruition at the timing that we thought of that. And that's something that He's teaching with, with His gardens that I've got up here. Many promises that the Lord made about this piece of land that's up here. And I'm looking at the Lord month after month after month and I'm saying, Lord, what's the plan with this thing? What's going to happen with this thing? It's laying idle there. And I'm learning about the timing of God in my life. That maybe, just maybe, that promise is not for me. Maybe I'm just a custodian. 
of something that the Lord wants to do there, then? Is that good enough for me? It must be. It must be. But sometimes we get so... David, David, imagine, put yourself for a moment in the shoes of little 13-year-old, 12-year-old, I don't know how old he was, David. Huh? 13. He comes Samuel. David, I'm anointing you as the next king of Israel. Put yourself in his shoes now. Put yourself in his shoes now. You're the king of Israel. I'm anointing you. And then, what happens next? What happens next? The process of God. I promise you, within David, at most times there was something in him that says, Lord, there's the promise. There's the anointing. It happened. Everything is there. If I have it my way. Can we just maybe get some of these? I'm just scared that the kids are going to... So Jane, can we maybe get the, just the kids, maybe still a little bit longer outside and uh, keep them busy on that side, please, man. Sorry, guys. I'm interrupting myself here. I'm a, I'm a terrible multitasker. I'm a terrible multitasker. Where was I? So put yourself in... Uh, the most fine is fine. No, 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 never means a panic. No, the contrast. Very panic. The kids are less ideal for us than men. That's what most people mean. That's nature. All right. So put yourself in David's shoes now. Everything is there. And then the, 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 the scholars, the guys that know, and the historians, all the people tell us the following thing. That from the time that David was anointed to be king until the day that he actually became king was between 15 and 20 years. Yes, like it means, sir. 20 years. God gives me a promise yesterday and I'm like the next morning is like, God, yes. Yes, Lord. I'm there, Lord. I can't wait, Lord. I can't wait. Yeah. But God knows. It's God's ways. And what often happens is, is that God's timing is different for all of us because we meet Jesus in different times of our lives. We get to Jesus at different times. But what happens is when we get together like this, suddenly we, we're all in the same place. And then I look at another person's life and I'm like, you know, why aren't I there as well? God's processes are different. The last thing that I'm going to focus on, and then I'm just going to use two stories just to kind of bring something home to you guys. God's focus is always different than what my focus is. If I was the God of Israel, I would have chosen to bring Israel out and put Israel in. That would have been my focus. My focus would have been to bring them this promise. And I so often do it with you guys as well. 
Carl Kingsley of Somerset West taught me this. Don't always try and take someone out of a place too soon when the Lord actually wants them to be there still. Sometimes I want to encourage you guys out of your places because I love you so much. And love sometimes compels me to take you out of a place where you should actually be a little bit longer. Maybe a place of conviction, feeling sorry. And then I want to come and say, And God is actually wanting to go because where? His focus is different than mine. And it's important for us to look at where is Jesus' focus with me? So where's Jesus, his ways, what's his timing, and what's his focus? Well, where was God's focus with Israel? They did not humble you. This way, he wanted to humble them, he wanted to work something inside of them. Testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. Now I'm asking you this question. Do you think Israel would have been the same nation under David after the 40 years if they did it in 7 years as opposed to 40 years? They would not have been. They would not have been. Under King David in the, in the, in the times that followed, the generations that followed, they say it was probably the best time for Israel in the history of, of, of being Israel. There was a time of blessing. There was a time of, of, of just an amazing time under the Lord and under the kingship of, of beautiful guys like David and Solomon and all of those guys. Hello, hello, Solomon. Salmon. And the thing is, we look at them now. Now we see the results because we're getting, we're at the ending. And we see uh, Israel under David that just takes one nation after the other, under Joshua even, that take the, took the ground, they defeated Jericho, they did all of those things. And we look at that and we don't realize there was a process leading up to that. God was preparing their hearts, He was preparing generations to be at a good space to follow Him under David. And we look at the successes of David with Israel and we forget there was a process that followed before that. He made them into a humble people by that time. But they went into the, the desert and after a quick little and all of those things and God had to work those things out of them. God's focus is different than my focus. And God has a different way of my story, my walk with them, walking it out. I want to share with you just two examples and then we're going to end off. This week I got a traffic fine. I've got a road from my house to where I work. I think it's about two kilometers, if that long, maybe one k, one and a half k or something like that. That's my journey. It's a journey that I do every single day of my life, more than once. Actually, because sometimes I go home lunchtime and that. That's my journey. It's been my journey for the past seven years. And to be quite honest with you, I know every nook and cranny of that road. I know exactly where the stop streets are. I know where the bumps are. I know everything about that road. I'm fairly certain that I will be, be able to do that road closed, you know, blindfolded. Thank you so much for all my learned friends. 
I can do the blindfolded probably. But the thing is, because I was on that journey so often by myself, I began to do it my way. And you know, my way was about, lacked a bit of character, it lacked a bit of integrity, it lacked a bit of eldership, perhaps. Obedience, yes. Lacked obedience, definitely. Judgment. It lacked judgment, definitely. Because you know what? I would go down to second gear. Over the stop street. I would neglect putting on my indicators from time to time. I would use the opportunity to quickly send the owner a voice note. No. Yes. From time to time. Because you know what? Because it was so close to home. It was so. It was. I, I knew the journey. I knew where I was headed. I knew where I was headed. Listen, I knew where I was headed. And you know what happened? The traffic cop stopped me. And that's so often what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I feel He wants to do it this morning. Because a lot of us, listen now, a lot of us are on a journey. And we see the destination. We've heard the promises of God. We know where He wants to get us to. And there's something of this journey that just suddenly feels so familiar. I feel so at ease. I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm going, man. I've got this. But the Lord knows that maybe there was this one day that I was on my phone. And maybe there was a young kid walking by the side of his the road with his mom or his dad and for a moment that kid let go of mommy's hand and he jumps in front of my car and because I'm on my cell phone on my journey drive over that kid imagine you know what happened through that fine I'm stopping at the stop streets now it taught me it brought character into my life now and that's what God ways, God's timing wants to do. Super important that under all of that we do, under our works, through everything that we do, that the character is there. And a lot of times, God's focus is on our character, what He's doing inside, because He knows, He knows I will be able to do the journey from my home to the work well. But he knows that that one time when character is not there, it could lead to death. Yes. You hear that? One time. Now, look at the Bible. When he talks about eldership, when he talks about eldership, the requirements to become an elder, eh? does the Lord say he must be able to do all of these works? He must have been a com leader for six years. He must have at least held the microphone in his hand and led here ten times. There must be twenty years of experience in ministry in order to do all of these things. Is there anything of that? What does the Bible say? Character. He must be a man of integrity. He must be a man that loves his wife and his family. He must be a man that is able to look after his family and look after his wife and steer the ship well as the man of the house. 
There's only one thing that the Bible actually talks about, the outworking, and that is you, you must be able to preach. <laughs> and sometimes that's where our focus, our destination focus, is very much on the works. If I can do this well, I can do it. If Stefan can lead well, then he can become an elder. If Stefan was faithful enough and he was in church every Sunday morning, surely then he must become an elder. And God says, no, 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 that's not where my focus is. That's not where my focus is. The last story that I want to share with you guys is my own story to this point. I'll never forget it. I was 19 years old. I was studying at the Cape Technicon six months down the line. And there came a prophetic word that said, God has chosen you. God has called you to full-time ministry. I'll never forget that. And there was something in my spirit that leapt up. There was something in my spirit that said, there's the promise, Lord. Wonderful. Because there was something in me that wanted to serve you. There was something in me that I, I remember growing up in, in high school. I was a CSP of Fursetter. I was this and I was that. And there was a passion in me. There was a love for the Lord my whole life. So something in me knew there was something. And I, I think I did my first preach already by then. So there was something that was already in me. I was anointed by Samuel to be king, to be serving the Lord. Not to be king. You guys, yeah, you guys understand me. The metaphor that I'm using. <laughs> and you know what happened? There was even confirmations at that point. My grandmother. God bless her soul. She was the most person, uh, you know, if my grandmother, Omalulu, as Omalulu had said, then it's for my geweest, it's not so good, she said itself. She loved the Lord with all of her heart. And I remember even her, she was excited. Oh, the Lord has been telling her all her life that I was, I'm called for this. And she wasn't wrong. Looking at it now, looking back. But where was God's focus? Where was God's timing? Where was God's heart and His ways in all of that? And I'll never forget that through a dream, the Lord spoke to my mom. And He showed her a dream of me sitting behind a computer and working. And imagine, if, imagine you didn't get that dream. And I actually, because I was already there, I already did the, 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 the numbers. We went to see um, the head of my department at the Technicon. We would make the plans. Everything was ready that I would have dropped out after six months. I was already looking at theological colleges and places that I want to go and study at. Everything was set. I was just about. I think we almost started the process basically of, of, of scoping up or something. I can't remember. I was ready to leave and go into full-time ministry. And the Lord showed my mom that I should. And suddenly we realized maybe it's not this way. And the Lord spoke very clearly and I said, okay, I'm going to, and I went, I finished my studies, I went into a job, served the Lord, and I held on to this in my heart. But I trusted the Lord. Not through my own beautifulness, I think I was just, just he blinded me to that for some reason, I think. But anyway, because God knew something. He knew there were times after that where I found myself and I found the Lord in much deeper ways than in where I was there. 
You know, there was a period after that where I started drinking. There was times after that where I was a terrible husband to Leone. There was times after that where I realized, yuck, man, I'm such a selfish person. I think I would have probably been the most selfish pastor there would ever be. It was just me, myself, and I. And the Lord used the 20 years in between to work things in me. The anointing was there. The gifting was there. The plan was there. The promise was there. Here am I standing today. But where was the character that needed to be there? It wasn't there at the time. And the Lord knew for me, for a lot of other people, theological colleges and that, it would have been the thing. Worked. But the Lord knew for me, he, he, he needed to take me another way. He needed to work those things in me another way. God's ways are not our ways. God's timing is not our timing. And it's so important for us to focus on where He is focusing at and on. Is that good? Yes, very good. You guys get that? Yes. Let's stand up.